Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Heartway, the Sunday before Easter. Are y'all going to be here next week? Okay, it'll be a little stuffy, but it's going to be great. A lot of energy in the room, a lot of momentum. Hopefully you're inviting friends, family. It's going to be a special Sunday. If you're here for the first time, welcome. I like to say that the moment you walk through those doors, you are family. And no, we're not a cult. It's not that kind of family. But we love you, and it's an unconditional love. It's not about what you can give to us. We are literally here to serve you. And thankfully, as we do that, a lot of people want to step up and give back to our community in a variety of different ways. They give their money. They give their time. They give their energy. They give their love. They give their very own selves. And that's what makes this place so special. And usually, I'm up here sharing a talk. Today, I'm going to have a guest with me. Many of you know him as the recovering know-it-all. He admits to being a recovering know-it-all. So we have to be really patient with this guy sometimes. When he talks a lot, we just kind of smile and nod our heads. But um, my friend Phil Gornai has so much good to share with this community. And I just want to invite him up, and we're going to have a conversation. So put your hands together. Welcome up, Phil. The man, the myth, the legend. I love you too. Can I have that water, bro? Thank you. I appreciate you. So, Phil, first, man, I just want to say I appreciate you because, you know, when you came to our community, how long ago was this? Two, three years ago? A little over two years ago. A little over two years ago, Phil, you know, Phil came and he made an immediate impact with his ability to uh, cultivate very deep relationships. He brought the men together in this community. Uh, He came to me and Ryan with this incredible idea of starting a retreat where we can kind of break down those walls and those barriers that as men we put up around our heart. And now we're coming up on our third retreat that we're doing together, a whole lot of life change and transformation that's happening. And I don't have the capacity to do all of that on my own, nor am I supposed to. I'm here to equip this community to do that kind of work. And so if it wasn't for you kind of spearheading this and leading the way, you know, we wouldn't be able to experience uh, the depth of love that we have as, as men in this community. So thank you. I appreciate you. You honor me, but uh, all the credit goes to God. Um, you know, the men's ministry that I've been a part of since 2004 uh, started when I was nine years old. So there is a history and a legacy, a root system of human beings before I got to experience um, at the age of 35 what would change my life. And so 
um, what God put in me something like eight years ago, I think about seven years ago from the time that we spoke, um, when I first came into Hardway, I was like, this might be the place that I could bring that experience to a broader community. But I was a little hesitant. Um, some of you who know the story know that um, my ex-wife is the one that invited me to uh, come to Hartway, and the way our relationship was at the time, she couldn't have invited me to a movie and I wouldn't have gone, um, let alone a church. But we had an extraordinary forgiveness conversation that kind of changed the trajectory of our family. And so I start coming to Hartway. First person I see is Ryan, and I knew already that he wasn't the pastor, but his message was so on point and the fact that the pastor let somebody else in front of the room was already a clear indication that, oh, this might be a different kind of church based on my previous experiences, right? A lot of churches, it's what we call the great man model, uh, the guy up front and the legacy of his family, right? So that was like the first kind of clue. And then Danny got up there and I was like, why is he all up in my business? how did he see my journal, right? Like, and then the third week, I was like, where'd you put the cameras in Millie's house? Because we were just talking about this, you know, with the family. And so, you, thank you for honoring me and thanking me for the work. But if it wasn't for the Spirit of God, if it wasn't for just a litany of human beings who have been through some traumas and challenges, and despite them, decided that they wanted to serve a greater community, I wouldn't have it in me to do. And the fact that you said yes, I'm always a yes for Danny Prada myself. So thank you. I appreciate you. So, you know, Phil has a lot of these uh, quotes that I call Philisms. <laughs> and, and one of them that I love, and he mentions this a lot with the men, I just want you to talk about this and how it comes out from your experience. Phil often says, there is no seed on this earth that looks like the fruit it produces. Talk about that. Yeah, um, and this is probably gonna bring us to the topic of inner engineering. You know, I heard a, I don't remember if it was a minister or philosopher guy who said that, if you want me to explain God, then explain to me how this little black seed becomes a watermelon, right? How it, th this little tiny black seed has a green skin, a white rind, red fruit, and is filled with water million times the capacity of the seed. If you can explain that to me, I'll try to explain God, right? And it occurs to me that most of us, if we were to go into the kitchen with a recipe for a cake or um, pan con lechon <laughs> for my Spanish friends, um, we'd look at the ingredients and, you know, they'd be good, right? Like you wouldn't put a bad ingredient into your cake or into your dish, right? But when we look at our own lives, 
We don't know what to do with the traumas. We don't know what to do with the pain, with the fear. Um, we don't know what to do with the shame and the guilt. And God says, give it to me. I'll show you what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to use you to help someone else. So um, I hope that kind of explains it uh, in a brief, but there are seeds in our lives of experiences that none of us wish for them, right? Um, sexual abuse, um, physical abuse, uh, tragic death at a young age, right? None of us would have taken the script and said, yeah, yeah, God, I'll, I, I'll be that person, right? But who you are today, that's part of the ingredients, right? It's are you giving it to God to fertilize it? And, and, and as Jesus broke the bread, um, I've shared this at the retreats, you have to think about the process here. First, he gives thanks for the bread. Then he breaks the bread, right? Or then he blesses the bread, then he breaks the bread, and then he gives the bread away. We are that bread, right? And in order to be given away, you have to be broken. I don't know about you, I've been broken, right? Any, any other broken people in here? Yeah, hi, I recognize you, right? Uh, um, so... We could, I want to go a little bit further with the, that inner engineering piece, but you're going to have to tee up a question or something. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, well, um, I have met some amazing human beings through the men's ministry who have been through some traumas. And to look at them, you don't see the trauma. Why? Because they're busy serving, Right. I see them the most loving human beings, the most compassionate human beings. And what I offer today is, well, how do I become that compassionate? Unfortunately, you're gonna to have to be broken. How do I become that loving? Unfortunately, you're gonna to have to be hurt, right? We don't have the capacity to uh, simply pour out love without a hollowed out cup right? Um, Khalil Gibran's uh, The Prophet talks about that more eloquently than I can. But the sorrow is what brings joy. The joy that you have is because of a sorrow in the past, right? So things like that are the contrarian way of kind of looking at life. And we have this um, unfortunate perfectionism model for how to see life and compare ourselves to some false perspective and comparing ourselves to some Instagram post or some person who's already faking it, right? And thinking, well, why doesn't my life look like that? No, because it looks like this. And when you give it to God, God shows you a whole new value proposition for your life as soon as you start helping someone else going through the same thing, right? It's like what I went through didn't make any sense until I met someone going through the same thing years later. You'd have talked to me 19 years ago with, during the divorce. I was broken. 
I didn't even want to commiserate with other people going through a divorce, right? Years later, I hear somebody going through a divorce. Well, first I had to go through the being a commiserator, right? But then when I started to get the lessons in my life as to what, well, what did that really mean? What did it expose for me? Now I could talk to people from a different perspective and ask questions to help them see from a different perspective, right? Um, and as a dad, it's the same thing. Um, some of my friends, we had kids pretty early on. So my kids are grown. My youngest is 20. My oldest is 32. And I've got friends my age with nine-year-olds. I'm, I'm like so past that, right? But I can connect with those kids because I'm so far removed from having to raise an adolescent that I can connect with them because I remember what it was like to be nine years old. I can remember now because when I was busy raising a nine-year-old, I couldn't think about being a nine-year-old, right? And so time from the tragic points in our lives, the trauma, that time allows you an opportunity to gain some retrospect and gain a way to communicate and articulate to others a different perspective. It's not about fixing. It's about allowing a person some time to just say, hey, it might not mean what you think it means. The, the narration that you have of that story could be a little different. And so one other philism is it's, it's better to be an editor than to have a time machine. I never heard that one. Oh. So welcome to the club. Yeah, wow. You heard it, you heard it here first. <laughs> so. Something I appreciate you about you, man, is that, you know, the conversations when you get around Phil, you know, they, they start off surfacy like all our normal conversations do, but he likes to just get to the stuff. <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, work is good, but like, tell me about what you're struggling with right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he likes to get to the nitty gritty of things. And obviously, as you've already pointed out, like all of us are dealing with stuff. And some of us, we don't even know where to begin. We can't edit the story. We're trying to like survive it right now. And that's what seems so real. How do, how do those people even begin this process of facing their stuff? You know, that teaching that you gave um, is one that I often send people to um, when, I'm, um, when I first have an opportunity to introduce someone to Heartway. I send them to everyone is an addict, right? And one of the key things that Danny said in front of the room was he was talking for about a good five or ten minutes. And he was like, some of y'all are looking at me like, well, I don't drink and I don't smoke and I don't do drugs. But we're all addicted to the way we think. That's a direct Danny product quote, okay? Um, so the beginning process is, um, and I'll give you a little sidebar story. You know, I've had a couple of health challenges going through something right now. My least favorite question, can anyone guess? How are you feeling? Okay. Gosh, that's so good to know because I literally ask people that all the time in the hospital. Yeah. Why don't you like that? Because you're thinking about it all day. You can't get right. away from that, right? And then you have to answer it over and over and over again, right? So it's okay, Danny. They all right, me. what's a better question? What's on your mind? Wow, thank you, bro. You just, I, I should get a raise now because I'm going to be asking that, and that's a way better question. Yeah. So that's the first step to, for me is to understand, well, what's on your mind? 
What are you thinking about? What, what's, what's causing you the most stress? What are you ruminating over? What's the story you're constantly replaying, right? And then we can ask some other questions. Why? Why, why, why do you think that way about that, right? Because you got to get to the root cause. So the work that we do in the retreat, it is, this is, this is what uh, amazes me and boggles my mind at the same time. It is literally less than 48 hours, okay? Friday uh, or Thursday, 5 p.m. till about 3 to 5 o'clock on Saturday, right? All we can do in that weekend is raise a person's awareness of God in their life and the possibilities of God as they move forward with their life, right? That's all we could do is raise awareness. Nothing changes without accountability, okay? But in that weekend, we are exposing people to a safe environment to talk about the stuff the dirty, nasty stuff that has occurred in our lives that unfortunately became like a Webster's Dictionary or a Shakespearean play. The thing occurred and you made it mean this. Whatever you made it mean at the age of five, before you even knew words, before you could even articulate the feeling, you have held on to that meaning. Why? Because otherwise, who are you? If that story's not true, then who are you, right? And so we give men an opportunity to hear from other men, and it's like, wait, did he just say that? Did he just say that he was abused? Did he just say that he was a drug addict? Not that guy. And we create space, right? So let's go back to what's on your mind, right? You gotta get back to the story. And the homework, all of us, for the rest of our lives, when you are dealing with some level of dysfunction, or I'll put it to you this way, if your life doesn't look the way you thought it would look when you were nine, you got homework, okay? Is to go back and see, well, when was the first time I felt fear? When was the first time I felt shame? When was the first time I felt guilty? You gotta go back to the origin stories, no different than Marvel comics and DC comics, right? You gotta get back to the origin story and then sit with it, be with it. Be with that five-year-old version of yourself, seven-year-old, 13, when, whenever you were emancipated from your parents and you went buck wild. Go back to, some of y'all are in here now going buck wild, right? Um, it's hard for you to sit still. I see you. Uh, Carlos is nodding his head back there. So you got to sit with that person of yourself and be gracious. Be so very gracious because you only knew what you knew up until that point. And then I think the other side of internal engineering is, well, what are you filling yourself up with now, right? Who do you listen to? And as for me and my house, my house meaning the heart of Phil, I worship the Lord. And it, it never, it just, I don't know if it's just a, a logic thing, being a recovering know-it-all, or being an information whore, 
is another way I put it. Um, how could I know the character of God, the will of God, the promises of God, if I don't read the word of God? I had to read the word. Not cover to cover. I got into the wisdom books first, um, Job, Proverb, and Ecclesiastes, and it, and it just drove me to want to know more. Because now the filter of my mind is scripture. It's principles. Principles that have stood the test of time. And then the books that I read, like How to Win Friends and Influence People, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, The Greatest Miracle in the World, The Prophet. I could go on and on and on. Um, people who have done The Course in Miracles. No, you don't read The Course in Miracles. You take The Course in Miracles, right? So you got to start reprogramming. So again, we go back to what's on your mind. Well, you got to know what got into that mind. Was it an abusive start? Was it a traumatic start? Okay, now let's forgive that, right? Let's really be gracious to that mind, and then let's start reprogramming. And what do you think the role of community is in this process of reprogramming and inner engineering and reshifting ourselves because that's a huge part of everything that we do you know heartway could just be a podcast or something but it's not it's a spiritual community and we do this with intentionality because when we come together in love in unity and harmony and in friendship a lot of change can begin to happen and so i know that you're somebody who loves community what role does that play in all of this I think it's everything. Um, no man is an island, right? Um, I believe when Jesus said, uh, when you love one another, then they will know that you are my disciples. One another, right? So there's got to be at least a pair of us <laughs> demonstrating love, right? Um, the, the name of the retreat is The Way. The name of the ministry is The Way, The Truth, and The Life. And you and I talked on my podcast a little over a year ago about the way of love, the truth of love, uh, the life of love, right? And so community, think about it. Um, at, at some of the retreats, I've asked the men, do you remember the person who took you to your first bar that gave you your first uh, hit of uh, marijuana, that took you to your first strip club, right? And hands get up. And how many of those hands are the person that was the person who was the first one to, to introduce it to someone, right? So we all know a person that has introduced us to vices, right? And so then I offer, well, who has brought you to the foot of the cross? Who's brought you to understand your relationship with God, right? Can you be that person, right? So... Without the evidence of love, how, how do we know, right? Because I'm nice to my cat? Because I'm, I'm nice to, you know, the mailman? Because I, I leave a card in, 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 at Christmas time, but I, ne I don't even know his name, right? So I think community, uh, uh, old adages of show me your friends and I'll show you who you are, right, is another thing. But think about it. Jesus didn't blow in, blow up, and blow out. First there were three, then there were 12, eventually 144, then there were thousands, then there were less, 
<laughs> right? But we're here because 12 people said, I'm committed to this. Women, men, right? 2,000 plus years ago. Where will we be 2,000 years from now, right? If we don't do something as a community, right? Because I think what religion, unfortunately, has done is use Jesus as a mascot, right? And what we get to do here at Hardware, Hartway and other communities like this, that we don't put God in a box. We're sold out for Jesus. But, hey, let's go, let's go show love, right? And we do it from the moment you walk through these doors. I felt so welcome here. Uh, from the first time I came, I, I, I want people to feel that when they come here, too. It's powerful. Do you mind opening up about, like, how your stuff, health challenges, trauma, has been used by God to impact other people's lives? Because I feel like everything that you share and the work that you do kind of comes from that deep place. Yeah, um... No, I don't want to share. Um, so I was telling Danny, uh, some of you know I'm going through uh, heart failure right now. Um, I had chemo five years ago, and apparently the chemo that I had uh, can cause heart failure five to ten years later, and it's exactly five years ago. And um, got kidney stones going on right now, too. I've actually got a tube in my back. Um, to relieve the pressure on one of my kidneys. Um, and each of the hospital visits that I've had uh, from way back five years ago when I was going through chemo, people would come visit me. And they would come to do what? Encourage me. But it was imparted on me through my spirit to encourage them, right? What I recognized a long time ago that God uses us, right? And he uses us specifically where we are with what we're going through to be a conduit for his grace, his love, his mercy. There is a whole new perspective that you get when you are faced with death. I, I, I don't wish it on anyone. But if you really want to know the secret sauce, this is what Jesus said. Whatever you seek to save in this world, you must be willing to lose. He who loves this life will lose it, but he who hates this life will gain it in eternity, right? So until you're faced with it, it's very difficult to articulate this and have people get it like step one, step two. It's really not like that. And so it's funny when I'm now like I gotta go to the hospital, I have a whole different mindset, right? And it goes back to when I was first diagnosed with the cancer, and you've heard me say this, my first inclination was to say to God, all right, Lord, um, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to meet? What do you want me to teach? Because I knew that there would be a process, right? And, and God just... Man, it was amazing the amount of people that I prayed with, encouraged, and I got through it, right? So round two, let's call this. And uh, I was like, okay, 
You want me to meet some new people? I already know where you're sending me. I don't know what you want me to teach, but I'm going to take my notebook and try to get some lessons. And when I was going through lymphoma, God taught me about contempt and unforgiveness in my life. This is my heart, right? And so I'm dealing with a broken heart. Where? So I've got to ask Phil some questions like, okay, well, how do you feel about yourself? How do you feel about being single at this stage of your life, right? Um, are you okay, right? I had to look at my relationships with my kids. Two of them, great. Two of them, hmm, not so much. So I want to work on that. My relationship with my ex-wife, it's been up and down. We're still good friends, thankfully, I think. Yeah. Um, and we still got stuff, right? My relationship with my mom, with my brother, my, um, one of my best friends who I call my sister. So relationships, super important to me. Anyone who knows me knows how much relationships mean to me. One of my creeds is that relationships precede resources. So when you lack a resource, you work on your relationships first, right? So my heart is pumping uh, they call it the ejection fraction at 15%. Uh, normal is 50 to 60%. So if you were to look at an echocardiogram of a heart, it, it looks like a little flap, right? And when the heart is pumping, it usually looks like this, okay? Mine is pumping like this, right? So there's a lot of excess fluid in the, on the lungs and making it hard to breathe at times. So there's a series of drugs I got to take to help slow the heart down, lower the blood pressure, um, and give the heart time to heal. I use all those words very specifically and intentionally. Is anyone dealing with a broken heart? Right? Recent breakup, divorce. Um, you got to give it time to heal. You got to slow the process down, right? Uh, the Bible tells us that uh, in all things, guard the heart. It is the wellspring of life, right? And so what do you make things mean around love? I'm, I'm going through it now. I'm reading The Mastery of Love by Don Miguel Ruiz again, right? Because just because I read it the first time doesn't mean that I mastered it, right? Um, so... I would simply offer whatever anyone is going through, I hope that you're growing through it, right? That it doesn't debilitate you, that it doesn't have you hit the pause button too long, but that you look at it and ask yourself, what is this teaching me about myself? And I'll give you a little pro tip, okay? You will know what it is teaching you based on your reactions, okay? What we hope to impart on people is how to slow the process down so that you can always respond with love. And I mean always. It is not easy. It is a practice. It is a discipline. Corinthians tells us that love is patient. Love is kind. Love endures all things. It does not keep an account of wrongdoing, right? Love conquers all. Like, with that kind of cheat code, why would you go to something else, right? But, you know, somebody cuts you off on I-95, and all bets are off, right? 
So, I don't want to get off track here. Okay. So, I think the, uh, the challenge, the thing, the it, the ickiness of life, embrace it. Right? This is mine. Mine is a kidney bag, heart failure. This is mine. I'm going to learn some stuff about love. And man, I can't wait to teach you more about love in my actions, in, in, in my response to the things that occur to me, right? Because that'll be the evidence that I can leave behind. The word that keeps coming to my mind hearing you talk is vulnerability. You know, this is mine. But there's so much shame that we carry that keeps us from being able to own it, talk about it. How do we get more vulnerable? What does that look like? Watch Eight Mile. Yes, I love that. Right? Like, get to that last scene, um, and Eminem just puts it out. Let me tell you about myself. Right? And he took, he took all the ammunition away from who? The enemy. We all have an enemy, but that enemy lives up here. Right? One of the things I share at the retreat um, um, is that silence perpetuates sin. I want you guys to repeat that. Silence perpetuates sin. Right? And when you really sit with that, you understand like these childhood traumas, these generational curses, these things that occur in our families that nobody talks about. And how you find out years later, wait, you went through that too? Oh my God, they did that to you too? Right? Because we never talked about it. Right? Um, so, I don't know how to motivate a person to get up and share, but like you cultivated and nurtured a community through circles of trust, right? Um, where people find a safe space to just share, hey, this is what's going on with me. It's judgment-free. Nobody's there to fix you. And we're a little spoiled here for those of us that go to circles and for the men that have participated in the men's retreat and my brothers in the Emmaus community. We're a little spoiled because we're used to it. And what I offer to people that go to circles, that go to these retreats, is you don't have to wait for Wednesday night you don't have to wait for the next retreat. You can be the catalyst for safe spaces in your circles of influence, right? Be that person that says what's on your mind. Thank you for that. Yeah, we can do a little clap. I'm trying to keep it high and tight here because I've been told I'm a little verbose. So. No. This is, this is great. This is good. This is good. When I go through stuff, my mindset is, it's just my turn now. You know, because I've seen so many people go through such similar things. And we all go through struggles that are common to one another. No matter how crazy or drastic the experience may be, you are not experiencing something that is only you. So when life happens, life happens. When tragedy happens 
and tragedy happens, it's just your turn. It's just my turn. What are you gonna say? Yeah, I want to piggyback on that. You know, one of the things that occurs, the like, I don't know if you guys get this, but comparison is a killer. Oh, it's a killer, right? You got to put it in its place. But you'll hear of someone's turn, like what it is that they're going through, and two things can happen. You'll be like, whew, thank God that's not me. Um, or what am I complaining about? Right? And I promise you that your thing is yours. It is not to be compared to someone else's. It is not to diminish the opportunity that you have to grow and to evolve. Just because on the spectrum, your thing is maybe a little less than this other person's thing, right? Like this person is a piss poor drunk, but yeah, well, I don't drink that much, but you got a drinking problem, right? So the, the figurative of that is the addicted to the way we think, right? Just because you're not bipolar clinically and taking meds doesn't mean that your mental health may not be um, challenged or compromised and that you have to do the work, right? So stop comparing. Easier said than done, but one of the tricks of, for me, is when I'm talking to myself, any other talkers of self here? Right? Anyone? Anyone? Some of y'all are lying. Okay. Um, is when I'm talking to myself for a couple of minutes, I literally, I could be driving, I'll look in this rearview mirror, and I'll be like, dude, you're talking to yourself. There's nobody else here. Right? I'll be having a dialogue, and, and then I got to like just stop myself for a second. Right? Um, I, I think ultimately, where I've come to in my life, this stage of my life, is I love Phil. Uh, I'm really happy with who I am, right? I'm not chasing anything or anyone, and it's, um, to, to piggyback on what you were saying, it's like, all right, this is what's next, right? This is what we're doing, right? Um, we're doing heart failure, <laughs> you know? It, if you've never experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, oh God, I don't know what to tell you to invite you in. Um, this mind is such a trickster. And I forget how the saying goes, but the, the longest distance between um, spirituality is from the head longest to the heart. Longest journey you'll ever travel. Yeah, the longest journey you'll to ever heart. travel is from your head to your heart. Um, so, yeah, uh, I hope your, your day and your week is, like, amazing that this helps set you up. I hope that our conversation enlightened you. I pray that my life is a living testimony. Hmm. Um, I pray that your lives are living testimonies for what God can do through you, right? That's all I want for my life, too. That's it. You know? so. Appreciate you, Phil. Thank you, guys. We love you. Great Sunday. We'll see you next weekend. <laughs> yeah.